0: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome
1: back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you today on this fine Monday afternoon. I hope that you had a great weekend, a great Thanksgiving weekend, uh, wherever you may be. Hopefully you are are back in town. We got to learn a few things about uh, traffic in uh, L.A. and uh, some other things. And anyway, it's good to be with you. And you can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. We're on every day from 3 to 5 uh, 5 p.m. and Monday through Friday. Somebody wrote me a while ago and said, I listened on 3 o'clock on Sunday. I wasn't there. No, I'm not on 3 o'clock on Sunday as far as I know. But uh, Monday through Friday, we're here every day. And one of the things we do is we want to really take a look at the things going on in the news, things going on in the culture, and have a conversation about it, and really talk about it in a way that I think is different than any other talk show you might be listening to at this time of day here in the Southland. And I think that's a lot of fun. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. And I think we also need to give out some uh, some warnings and some things to be uh, you know that you should be aware of. Are you aware? and I'm bringing this up because I think that so many of us aren't, and maybe I am just outraged a lot as a parent, a parent who, who has boys 10 and 13, a parent who has been around ministry and difficulty and all kinds of things that people go through. So I've had some experience with things that maybe is more than some people, less than some other people, but I'm worried, I'm concerned that, people do not understand the attack that's going on on our kids and our culture today. I think that people do not understand how pervasive and real it is. I think that people may not, maybe they just leverage it for kind of left and right political points, but not to come together to say, hey, this should not be a part of our society at all. And I'm wondering how far it has to go particularly with issues of the sexualization of our kids, maybe that more than anything else, to be quite honest with you. There is a uh, fashion company called uh, uh, Balenciaga. Is that how you say it, Wilbert? Balenciaga? And uh, I'd never heard of them, but, you know, I probably don't shop on that street. Um, But, uh, or shop, actually, in general. (laughs) Um, This company put out advertisement With kids who look to be under five, maybe four or five years old, um, carrying objects that are teddy bears dressed um, as people who are are dressed in uh, sexual attire, teddy bears dressed in outfits that you would use if you were part of uh, BDSM, okay, and uh, little kids little, little kids, and you, you see these pictures, I don't want you to even look at it, you know, it's this picture holding this bag with this teddy bear that's completely sexualized, and this little girl is got to be five or less, maybe, maybe six, but I'm saying five. Five years old, five, not 13, not 17, not 16, five years old. Can I just say it loud enough? They're going after the littlest kids, There's no way that she would understand even what this is. In fact, the look on her face is that she's sad. You know, there's no happiness or joy here. It's misery. But here's what is bugging me about this story. So there's a lot going on about it, okay? And if you're thinking that I'm just making this up or I'm exaggerating, that's what a lot of people thought. Um, But that's not the case. And lots of people are going crazy. This was actually uh, some speakers on The View. I don't, I don't like even to play The View very often because I don't find uh, that we get too much from that show that uh, has some depth. Um, but even people on that show were were offended.
0: What's I, going on here? I found this ad campaign particularly <laughs> distasteful um, in this moment. So there's this there's growing anti-LGBTQ sentiment right now, and it, wh- how it's being framed is as portraying, you know, trans people as groomers. This is a term you'll hear on the far right. They're groomers. This is where you get the anti-drag queen stuff that we're seeing. So Balenciaga played right into their hands by having kids in a sexualized manner, carrying something that represents, you know, sex acts. I think it was a really (coughs) bad misstep at a moment where it's just kind of a dangerous time to even give credence to those kind of insane takes. Yeah, I mean, we can't even show the picture because it's so distasteful.
1: They can't even show the picture on TV. That's how distasteful. If you cannot show a picture of a child on TV that's in an advertisement, okay, to sell a product, how disgusting does it have to be that you can't even show it on television? And they're calling this a misstep. It's not a misstep when they're saying that, oh, we shouldn't be doing this because there's a bunch of people on the far right claiming, you know, that this is groomer and all this stuff. You know, you can argue about that word all you want, and that's the distraction, okay? My friends, you've got to understand that this is happening. And this is a major company. Here's what's disturbing to me about this. How many adults are involved in this decision to make this advertising campaign, to make the campaign, to hire the people to make the campaign, to actually take the photographs, to develop the product, to um, to develop sexualized teddy bears that a little kid's going to hold in a in a campaign? Major company here, okay? With major stars, Kim Kardashian and people like that, who, to their credit, um, distanced themselves and said they were disgusted by it. And the company finally apologized. And uh, But there's a whole lot of blame going around. You know, if Kim Kardashian is saying that your product is too disgusting for her, well, that says something also, doesn't it? 888-528-2557. You're listening to Southern California Live. If you want to join our conversation, 888-528-2557. I'm wondering if. If you think I'm right, that that people don't get this, because the way on The View, now The View is a left-wing program with sort of a token right person on there. I understand that. Um, but even they objected to this. But the way they characterized it by saying it's a misstep, it's not a misstep. It's disgusting and gross. There's just, there's no word for this. Here's how uh, they continued.
0: When we're talking about our institutions, it's kind of important that we trust the process. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's the wrong one. Sorry about that. I, there is so much going on in that program or for them to actually um, be against this. <clears throat> Let me put it to you this way. All right. They recognize that this is something that, that has become kind of right and left. And what I would like to say to our audience here is that we cannot make this, the sexualization of our kids in all these different ways, a right or left thing that's where nothing happens. If you haven't noticed, nothing happens when things become right and left politically. Nothing gets better. It just keeps getting worse. This can't happen with our kids. This is what, you know, you read the Old Testament and you're talking about these ancient kings who did evil in the sight of the Lord or the pagan kings who did evil. And what did they do evil by? Well, they did evil by uh, sacrificing their kids in the fire. And they did evil, terrible things to their children. And you say, oh, terrible people, but what a barbaric ancient society and it's not really relevant for today. We're the same. We are exactly the same. That's what we're doing. My friends, we are the same. Do not think that those people 3,000 years ago who were doing terrible things to their kids were somehow less evil than what we're doing right now. It's it's called uh, chronological bigotry. Where you think of people who live in the past as somehow less than you, like less smart, less abilities, less, you know, less of a a cognitive skills. It's not true. They were super smart. Uh, They didn't have the knowledge that we have today. They didn't have the understanding of a lot of stuff that we have today. Okay, that's increased. We, you know, education has increased philosophy and, and those kinds of things. But it doesn't mean people were dumb. It doesn't mean people were incapable of thinking about moral things or incapable of building societies. I mean, we still don't know how they built the pyramids. Nobody knows. That's that's an amazing thing when you think about it. We don't know how they did that. With all the engineering and math that we've got today, we can't figure out how an ancient society... They were smart. Don't think that they weren't smart. They were smart. And they knew the difference between good and evil. Where the devil is winning today is he is taking us out of a place where we know the difference between good and evil, where we call things like this a misstep. Now I want you to think about this: How many adults are involved in this decision? This decision to um, put little children in sexualized picture. This isn't even like you know, a few years ago what was it, Abercrombie and Fitch or somebody kind of had kids, but like teenagers in in sexual ads. I refuse to walk in that store. Because of that ad campaign, I've never been in that store before uh I told you I don't shop, so maybe it's not that impressive, but you know I've just I don't even walk in there because of that ad campaign. We're talking not even about teenagers we're talking about the littlest of kids. My gosh, this should not be left and right if you're a person who is who is on the the left, can I encourage you you need to speak out on this because the other people who are kind of on the left are just going to say it's, it's Republicans or Christians or people who are just overreacting to these things. They're not. They, some are. Some are taking it to a place that they shouldn't go. Okay, that's, that's, that happens. We need people on who you consider yourself on the left or a Democrat to say, hey, this is not okay. I think that's why we get this on The View. I think that they even know. Hey, this defines all of us somehow. This is a left wing show, and this is defining us. And uh they blame it on the right wingers, but they're 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 showing why people are saying what they're saying. It matters a lot. And Christians, we need to speak out of the if you're on the if you're a Christian, we need to speak out on this without left and right politics and not say, Oh, this is the Democrats or this is uh lazy Republicans who don't say anything out, you know. We need to speak out as parents, just as as regular people as parents of little kids who are being abused. It's abuse. It's abuse by the parents who probably in the room while those photographs are being taken. I can't imagine what kind of parent they have to be in the room. That kid's a little kid. They've got to be there. Mom or dad or both. Somebody's there. In the room, probably with dollar signs in their eyes. My kid's going to be a star and I'm going to retire. We are sacrificing our kids to the fire. That's what's happening. It's more than one picture. All right. There's a whole bunch that were in the campaign. Now they pulled them all off. It might be hard to find those pictures. Don't go looking for them. They're not like, you know, they're, you know, it's something that you might just see in a regular ad on the internet. It's out there and, and you may not even realize it. You'd probably just blow past it. When you looked at it, it wasn't just the the teddy bears on there, by the way. There's like this mess in front of them. They're in a bedroom, They're standing on a bed, naturally. And there's like a mess of papers. And on the paperwork, if you zoomed in and looked at what are these papers that are stacked on this bed? It is Supreme Court cases about child trafficking, about child pornography, about other stuff. And they're mocking it. These ads are deliberately mocking people who would mock them for sexualizing kids. This is a movement, my friends, that is about saying that this is okay. This is something that is developing in our society. And I think some people say, Scott, you know, you're just way off on this. I'm not, I'm telling you, we've seen it in, we're seeing it in the schools. We're seeing it almost every school district. We're seeing it all over the place. And I think it is a small number of people who are pushing it, but it's enough people where this agenda is moving forward, even though I think 80 and 90 percent of us disagree with it. Are you with me here? You follow me? You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. The number is 888-528-2557. By the way, later on this hour... Um, we're giving away a pair of tickets to see the new Johnny Cash movie. It's called Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. It's going to be a great movie. It's in theaters only next week, okay? Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, December 5th through 7th. And we're going to give away some free tickets pretty soon this hour, so I want you to stay tuned for that. But I didn't want to miss this subject. Johnny Cash, by the way, it's a great story, a story of redemption. And even in this subject that we're talking about, you know, this is why people need the Lord. This is why people need need a foundation for who we are as human beings, because that is what is being taken away. What's happening is that the culture used to always be bound by something that was sacred. And as a Christian, I would say, well, we have a sacred, we have the Word of God, which we believe to be sacred. We believe that that book and the stories that are in that book the what's being communicated in that book is the Word of God to us. It's God revealing Himself to us. Now, God reveals Himself to us in nature, and He reveals Himself to us through Jesus Christ and through His Word, through His Holy Spirit, those ways. But the Bible, as a believer, we believe it to be sacred. Most cultures have had some kind of sacred thing that they believe in. If you are an American, and you are not a Christian, maybe you're a different religion, or maybe you're agnostic, maybe even atheist— you might still believe that the Constitution is sacred, or that the Declaration of Independence is sacred, that the ideas in there, the ideas that our freedoms are given to us by our Creator and not the government, that those notions are sacred. You know, maybe you don't look at that in a religious way, but maybe, but you, you know, as a, as a culture, as a group of people, we look at these things as sacred. Most cultures have developed that way, all right? But what's happening is that we're losing the things that we think are sacred, and the only thing that's sacred is ourselves. That we, as a society, and this happens to a lot of us, I think, who maybe uh, even in Christianity, in churches, if you wonder why there's sometimes a lot of scandal or a lot of movement away from the gospel, a lot of pressure to not teach the Scripture, or to say that the Bible is no longer sacred, which has happened in some strains of Christianity, particularly on sexual issues, particularly on issues that would go against the the self ethic that we have in our culture and there there's a big difference. let me give you a couple of things on the the gay marriage thing has been in the news lately because of what's going through the Senate, and not to talk about that that issue specifically, but here's a, a subtle difference that you should be aware of about what i'm talking about to illustrate what I'm saying as far as the foundations of who we are as a culture being changed the Bible, I believe, has a sexual ethic that it teaches, that ultimately the Bible reveals and God's Word reveals that marriage is to be between a man and a woman, and the purpose of marriage is, is to represent Christ in the church as bride and groom, male and female in that regard, to represent and also to build culture that a male and a female should get together to procreate to have babies that's what grows the culture and uh to then represent Christ in their relationship and build up kids and that there is something about marriage where the the cultural idea of marriage forever has had something sacred either not just in Christianity but certainly in Judaism also but even other religions even pagan times there was a there was something sacred to the idea that conception was meant to be in marriage for the betterment of kids, for the betterment of the society. And that's how you build the society. And that's what marriage was. And that the reason that you don't mess with marriage, the reason you don't make it marriage between three people or between two people of the same sex or whatever it is you're going to do to it is because part of the foundational purpose of it is to create new life, new babies, and you build the nation, you build uh, upon things that way. And that's how that should happen. Okay. Now, if biblically you're speaking this way and you're saying that anything outside of that is sexual immorality and it's not the way God has designed us to be you can have that argument and uh some people you know that's where a lot of people on the who believe the bible is true would have that argument but there are some people who even in churches who would come out and they would say this is outdated the biblical notion and the bible is wrong about this that this isn't what God is saying and There's a a big difference between saying that I interpret the Bible differently, that I think the Bible would be okay with gay marriage, to saying I think the Bible says gay marriage is wrong, but I think the Bible is wrong. Do you hear that subtle difference? That there is a difference between Christians who come together and say, I believe that the Bible is truth and I'm going to abide by it, um, even if I don't like it, even if I don't agree with it, even if the culture doesn't like it versus people who say, no, I agree with you, you know, and some people might say, no, the Bible does approve of this, that the Bible thinks gay marriage is okay, and that's their biblical argument. I would disagree with that. Some people would make that argument, but they're still coming at it from a foundation that says, well, whatever the Bible means is true, and they're still holding it sacred. Maybe they're not, okay? I'm not not trying to make that argument, but I'm saying that they're still trying to make the Bible say what they think it should say so that the Bible remains sacred. Does that make sense? Sometimes we change, we're still arguing that the Bible is the word of God and we change what it says, but we're still, we're saying that's what it actually says. But there's a difference between that and then somebody say, no, I agree, it says that this is sexual immorality, that marriage should be between a man and a woman, but it's old fashioned, it's old, we don't have to follow that anymore. That's different. And that's where the world is gone. We are rejecting the Bible then as sacred, or we are rejecting our foundations as sacred. We're no longer, we no longer care what the Bible has to say. What matters more is how I feel about it. See, there's a huge difference. And that as soon as you reject the sacred, as soon as you reject that human beings are made in the image of God, as soon as you reject that our equality comes because we're made in the image of God, as soon as you reject the idea that there is sin and that sin has separated us from God and that we need a Savior, as soon as you reject that, then you take away the value of kids. You change what sexuality is. And see, and then marriage becomes not about building a nation or about the strength of the family or the purpose of the family or all those things. Marriage just becomes about love. And as long as I love somebody, then, you know, love is love. And who can argue with that? Love is, if, if that's the change is that it's, it's become about love, not about foundational stability of a society. And the reason it's become so easy to sexualize the kids with the drag shows and with the pornographic kid stuff in the schools and with these ads that, that what, it has to be dozens. It has to be dozens of adults approve those ads, including parents. It has to be so many people. The reason for that is because there's nothing sacred with our kids anymore. It's all about what makes me feel good. It's all about making me money. It's all about me, 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 me. And not about other people. Not about building a nation. Not about a successful society. And as Christians, we have to stand on the foundation with our own life, with the way that we live life in a way that we say, no, the word of God is sacred. And even if I struggle with it, even if I'm getting attacked by our culture for it, to leave what the scriptures say to be true is going to lead our country and our entire society into destruction. Incidentally, what the Bible also says is true is that there is repentance, there is grace, there is mercy there is justice. All of these things are a part of who God is. And in these things, we need to be outraged about them, but we need to be so outraged that we present the gospel and the foundation of truth that is the Bible. There's a, you know these drag queen story hours that are going on, people trying to argue whether or not it's sexual. It's inherently sexual. That's what it is. We're sexualizing the kids. And to say that we're not, we're not. There's a bunch of pastors who are getting together and having pastor story time at the same libraries and schools, and if you're saying, well, they're being, uh, they're trying to indoctrinate the kids, yes, they are. They're not trying to say they're not. Um, that's a pretty good response to that, actually, to say, you know what, maybe rather than just complaining about it all the time, we need to engage and start teaching and discipling the world into what is actually true. And if they want to call it indoctrination, fine, you can take it or leave it, but we're not going to shy away from the fact that we think that there is truth, that there is something to believe and that there is something greater for all who believe. There is forgiveness, there is grace, there is healing, there is justice, and there is a future that is always better, one from eternal life. I could go on and on, but I got to take a break and move on. You're listening to Southern California Live, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about how you can get free tickets to the new Johnny Cash movie. The number is 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Monday edition of SoCal Live continues.
0: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio
1: at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you today. I'm Scott Furrow. In a minute, I'm going to give you a chance to win tickets to the new Johnny Cash movie that is coming out next week. It's called Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. And it's uh, being made from a book written by Greg Laurie, Pastor Greg Laurie out at Harvest. And, um, you know, one of the things about this movie that a reason I want you to see it, there's a couple of reasons to go see it. I think sometimes seeing a a good story about what God can really do in our life, how God can really change us, you know, that's inspiring, right? We're supposed to tell our stories to each other. But uh, as a Johnny Cash fan myself, maybe you like different kinds of music. Maybe there's, you know, there's certain people who uh, just impact us in a different way. And Johnny Cash was one of those people. Uh, There was a movie out about him a few years ago. It was called Walk the Line. It was with uh, Joaquin Phoenix as Johnny Cash. Did you see that movie? Um, And uh, you know what? It was a pretty good movie, I thought, as far as that goes. But there's something they left out. Like they nod to it. They left out. In, In Johnny Cash's life, there was a lot of drugs and there was a lot of just heartache and difficulty and he almost killed himself. And he got really, really low. I mean, honestly, that they could have put a lot more into that movie. I think it was maybe PG-13. They would have made it R-rated to really get into his life, I think, maybe the way it was. Because you don't even see him get as low as his life really got. But what you don't see in that movie, you see him come out of it. And you see him recover and him do better. But you really only get a nod to the fact that what saved him was his commitment to Jesus Christ. What saved him is that he rededicated his life to Jesus Christ, that Jesus saved Johnny Cash, that his life and his recovery and the things that he did later in life He was able to do that because he trusted Jesus. It matters a lot. And they kind of left that out of this movie. So one of the the old movie, the Walk the Line film, that was out a few years ago. So one of the things I'm excited about is this movie, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of of an American Icon. It's only in theaters next week from December 5th, 6th, and 7th. Okay. And uh, so we're going to give away free tickets uh, in just a minute. And I'll give you the number to call here in just a couple minutes to do that. A couple of weeks ago, I was able to sit down with Greg Laurie and ask him about this movie and why he decided to make it. If you are aware of Greg Laurie's ministry, and he's, he comes on right after this program, by the way, uh, on in Los Angeles, if you want to listen. Um, he knows a lot about music, and he's had the opportunity to, to tell a lot of stories about musicians and where they're at with the Lord. Some of them have given their life to the Lord and been saved. Some of them just couldn't do it. Um, it's very, very interesting, his insight onto this but I asked him why is it that we are so impacted by mus- musicians and music why is it that we become so fascinated um, by people who are musicians like this and this is a part of the conversation I had with Greg Laurie a couple of weeks ago
2: well these musicians you know they, they provide the soundtrack for our lives uh, we can often mark moments and memories through a song that was playing at that time And they have this extraordinary ability and gift uh, to create this wonderful art that we all enjoy. And Johnny Cash is someone that I remember from my earliest days. You know, my mother was kind of a wild child and she was married and divorced seven times and she would leave me in various places. I went to military school for a while and I also spent time living with my grandparents who originally were from Arkansas. And... So we would sit around the television set and watch a Johnny Cash show. And whenever Johnny would get in trouble, and he did have some run-ins with the law back then, my grandfather would say to his wife, Stella, that we called Mama Stella, he'd say, Stella, your cousin's in trouble again. And my thought was, wait, I'm related to Johnny Cash? So, yeah, I'm distantly related to him because my grandmother, her name was uh, Stella Fowler Cash. So and she was from the same area in Arkansas. So I'm a distant relative of Johnny, but that's not why I wrote a book about him. I wrote a book about him because he's just a, he's a classic American figure. It, the very timber of his voice. There was no one like Johnny Cash, and I think that he transcended country music. He just was Johnny Cash. Right. Uh, people in rock and roll liked him. People in country liked him. He broke out with Elvis Presley and Jerry Lee Lewis and Carl Perkins. Uh, They all recorded at Sun Records, and he had his first measure of success. and, And then at one point, he was like the number one artist in the world. He had a decline in some middle years and then made a massive comeback. But the thing that a lot of people don't know about Johnny Cash, because he's thought of as this rebel figure, the man in black, he's called the godfather of cool. Hey, add to that list, follower of Jesus Christ. He was raised in the church. He always believed. He strayed at times, but he returned to the Lord and so this movie, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon, is an exploration of his spiritual life. We deal with his strengths, his weaknesses, his his falls how his comebacks, and show how God worked through his life and I think it'll be very it'll give hope to people who have stumbled and fallen and feel like there's no second chances for them. Johnny Cash's life shows God gives second chances.
1: I think a lot of people relate to him, and they need to hear that hope. You know, a few years ago, there was a movie called uh, Walk the Line about Johnny Cash. It's a good movie, but I, I noticed in the movie, and I was disappointed, that they barely brush upon his spiritual renewal. And I always thought they didn't really go as deep as they could have into his despair. And they did not go deep at all into his salvation and his relationship through Christ. I think this movie is going to really fill in that gap, too, for people maybe who have seen that or maybe that's their only understanding of his life.
2: Yes. So I wrote a book with the same title as the film, Johnny Cash, Redemption of an American Icon. And we interviewed the sister of Johnny Cash. And she told us that she thought this would have been Johnny's favorite book because You know, documentaries and books about cash explore his rebel side, explore his bad decisions, but they don't make enough out of his faith and how important it was to him. I think June Carter literally saved Johnny's life. You know, if it wasn't for her, he probably would have died of a drug overdose. He could have ended up like his friend Elvis Presley very easily. But Johnny made it to the age of 70. Sadly, he didn't live longer because some of those decisions he made still took a toll on his life physically, though God forgave him. But we have some amazing uh, artists that were interviewed in this film, Sheryl Crow, Tim McGraw. Uh, we have Marty Stewart. We have John Carter Cash, who is Johnny's son. And so we have a lot of folks chiming in, telling you about his life and his spiritual life. When Nona Judd is in it as well, talking about how they knew that the faith of Cash was real. You know, it's a funny thing. To sinners, Cash was a saint, but to saints, he was sometimes thought of as a sinner. The reality, he was both. He was a sinner, admittedly so, but he was a saintly man, a godly man, who loved the Bible. When he was at the pinnacle of his fame, Scott, on his television show, he wanted to talk about Jesus. He had gospel singers, gospel songs. He even brought Billy Graham on his show, and the people that were running the show didn't like that one bit. Right. And then after the show canceled because they didn't like a Stanford Christ, he went out and took that, that notoriety that he had, and he made a film about Jesus called The Gospel Road. So Johnny was very upfront about his faith in Christ. It was never a secret. What's your favorite Johnny Cash song? Oh, my. Uh, I like so many. Of course, I like Ring of Fire, Walk yeah. the Line. But uh, I think my favorite Cash songs are the ones he did later in his career. Mm. I love The Man Comes Around. I love Rusty Cage. Um, There's so many that it was like toward the end of his life and as he got more sick and even had trouble breathing. what? I still thought those songs were so powerful. Rick Rubin, who produced him in that later phase of his career, just stripped it down and got back to Johnny and his guitar with a little bit of production and other things that Rick added so artistically, so effectively. But, but I guess if I pick one song, it would, well, Hurt was amazing too. That was made into a video, Yes, but I love the man comes around.
1: It's a great song. And you're right. The hits right up to the end. There's something about his ability to just the way he speaks in his songs. You can't help but listen. And they're so simple and so meaningful. And I think that is a reflection of his life and what Jesus did in his life and is still doing with his story, thanks to this movie.
2: Yeah, he was, uh, you know, he sort of was the voice of America. You know, he just sounded so American the way he spoke. Chris Christopherson said... Johnny Cash was like Abraham Lincoln with a wild side. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a
1: great explanation of Johnny Cash. Well, I thank you for doing this movie. I think it's going to impact a lot of people for the gospel. I think people are, we've gone through a period in time in our our country, we're going through it, where there's so much of a lack of hope and so much um, sense, a sense of despair. And I think people have a personal despair where there's no room for it to express this is a great movie to let people know uh, that God loves you.
2: Yes, and I think that, you know, telling stories like this is a great way to reach people because there's people you know that might never go to church with you, even if you ask them. Right. But if you say, hey, I got tickets for this cash documentary, let's go. They may do that. Yep. You know, they can get their popcorn and milk duds or whatever they like to eat and take their seat. And it's going to tell the story of Johnny in real time. But when we get to that part where his faith kicks in, that is their front and center without apology. And then at the end, we, we really bring it home and tell people how to come into a relationship with God. So this would be a great way to reach your friends and neighbors.
1: The movie is called Johnny Cash The Redemption of an American Icon, and it'll be a in theaters December 5th, 6th, and 7th. You can get tickets at harvest.org/slash tickets. That's right. Harvest.org slash tickets. That was me and uh, Pastor Greg Laurie talking about his new movie, Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon. Exclusively in theaters December 5th, 6th, and 7th, all across the country and the Southland, wherever you are. And if you would like free tickets to this movie, be Caller 9 right now to win a pair of tickets to see Johnny Cash, The Redemption of an American Icon Movie, call 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Call right now. The movie will be in theaters throughout Southern California Monday, December 5th. Tuesday the 6th, and Wednesday the 7th. You can get more ticket information at kkla.com. Once again, the number to call right now. We're looking for our ninth caller, 888-528-2557. Keep calling during the break. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Monday edition of SoCal Live continues.
0: This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at
1: 213-537-3812. All right. Welcome back, everybody. And it's going to be with you. Scott Furrow here. Uh, If you're calling for the Johnny Cash tickets, you can stop calling now because we got rid of those very quickly. But I got good news for you. We're going to give away a pair of Johnny Cash tickets at some point in our show every single day this week. So uh, you can check that out later. Hey, here's something as we uh, finish up today. And maybe if you're calling right now, we'll uh, we'll pick up the phone. And uh, if you got the story, do you have any um, Thanksgiving fails? Like, how did it go for this weekend? Any funny stories? I don't want to hear about like, well, I'll, I'll listen to you because I love you. You know, like terrible fails. You know, some terrible accident happened. But I mean, you know, any kind of thing that just didn't work out where you like had to throw the meal away and you all went to uh, McDonald's or something. You know, what happened in your world? Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. Any funny, uh, entertaining Thanksgiving weekend stories that you might uh, have had? Uh, I've got one. I don't know that it's uh, necessarily... Um, um, you know, it was you know, pretty funny for us. I'll tell that story in a minute. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. 528 2557 So we go down to, uh, went to San Diego to uh, be with some friends for uh, Friendsgiving. We had mostly their friends and the whole big family on uh, their friends. So Christine and I and the boys. And these are people that we've known for a long time. We're good friends with. I told you earlier in the show, people that uh, uh, were in our small group and uh, very close friends of ours. We'll probably do news, uh, New Year's together as well. Anyway, we go down there, and, you know, I had been uh, fighting this sort of cold, all the stuff that's going on. I don't know if it's the, you know, the COVID or the RSV or the flu or just something new that I've invented, but I've been carrying something with me for a few days. Maybe you hear it a little bit in my voice. I feel great, except that I just got some residual stuff. Anyway, I went down there, and one of the things I was looking forward to was I felt like I was past the illness part, you know, so we didn't cancel the trip. In fact, we told them, and this is something great about having close friends, right? If they're really, if you get to that point, we called them and say, hey, you know, uh, Scott's not feeling well. And maybe we don't want to bring you something like we don't care. Come on down anyway. That's the way you want it to be. So um, we go down there. And the thing I was looking forward to the most uh, this Thanksgiving was the turkey coma. I can't even tell you how excited I was for turkey coma where you have that turkey that turkey meal and then you're just on the couch. The football game is on and people are talking or doing whatever, but you're not there. That's what I wanted and I got it. I got it good. It was good. And I, I went in the other room and I lay down on the couch and I got my turkey coma. It was great. And my son John, ten years old, he came over and took a nap right next to me. And I thought this was great. Father and son moment. Now, I got woken up from my turkey coma to go play Pictionary or whatever they were playing. Uh, which I have to tell you I was not happy about, that somebody woke me up because there was not enough people on the men's team. Anyway, so I got joined for this. I left John on the couch. The next thing I know is now suddenly there's not enough people on the ladies' team. And my wife and uh, our friend Carrie, who was there, uh, are cleaning up after my son, John, who had gotten up from his turkey coma and proceeded to fill the bathroom floor with his turkey (laughs) throw-up. And uh, there you go. So that ended our evening a little bit, and we got in a hotel down there, and uh, yeah, we went down there, and uh, we spent the whole weekend in the hotel just trying to recuperate and not get flu. John, my 10-year-old to his credit, we're in the car. We drive all the way downtown San Diego, and um, I won't tell you which hotel we're, we were in, but we were in one of those downtown hotels. It says Hilton on the side of it, and uh, because I got a really good deal, like a super good deal, like really good deal. Until they add all the city taxes and everything on it and you feel bad about it, but it was a pretty good deal. And I feel good about that. We we pull into the parking garage and John says, You know, I'm I'm feeling a little car sick. And I'm like, Oh no, you're not car sick, and I get the door open and I get him outside, and he throws up all over the parking lot, all over himself, all over me, all over my bag. It was just everywhere. And then he looks at me and he says, I feel great now. Can we go get a dessert? No, you, we're not going to go get dessert, uh, John. You're, you definitely <laughs> have something going on. And kind of the funniest thing was is that the rest of the weekend, John kept wanting to go out to the parking lot to see if his throw-up was still there. That's what you do as a 10-year-old. That's like one of the most exciting things as a 10-year-old is to wonder if that's still there, who might be parking in that space now, and uh, you just have have no idea. Like, John, it's, it's not really there. It's not really there. Anyway, that was... Uh, that was kind of our Thanksgiving fail, but I have to say at the same time, we all got better. You know, he had one bad night, but after that he was fine. We spent the whole time in a hotel room, which is not the first time on a family vacation or family trip we've spent the entire time uh, in the hotel because somebody got sick. I, I think that's just kind of how it works sometimes. For me, uh, that's fine with me. You know, I, I just get a little break in and uh, and check that out, walk around the hotel, and uh, as people are checking in, you know, I get to stand up at the front and say what kind of deal did you get? And I'm like, oh, look at my look at what I got uh, here. And uh, you know, you play those games. You got any uh, Thanksgiving stories, things that went uh, maybe extremely well or extremely poorly. 888-528-2557 if you want to call back here in just a minute. 888-528-2557. Whatever happened in your life, I hope that you had a great weekend that it was uh, relaxing, whatever you did, that uh, I think a lot of people do have this, uh, these different sicknesses that are going on. Maybe I'm just more sensitive to it because I've, I've had this stuff, but I've noticed that there's just an awful lot of coughing and sniveling and and uh, other things going on all around. So I hope that you are able to recover pretty well. They really should wear the mask. I don't know, but I think mask might be coming back here in uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, maybe not, but we're like the one county that we're still floating this idea of different restrictions and everything for the COVID. Somebody pointed out that this is already the third Thanksgiving since the COVID era, if that's what we're going to call it, began. The third one. And um, there's some statistic where a bunch of people, maybe this was the first time that you've gotten together with people in the past uh, couple of years for Thanksgiving. I hope that you had that opportunity. I hope that you felt comfortable to go out there. And the COVID's, you know, especially if you're older or you've got certain conditions, you know, you, you do want to be careful about that. I think most of us have felt like, you know what, I've probably already had it or I have already had it. Um, and uh, we've gone out there. They said it, the, the transportation level was pretty much the same as 2019. So I think that is good. Gas prices are down a little bit. We talk about gas prices sometimes on our show. And it's so funny because I was shocked, shocked, I tell you, to fill up for four dollars and thirty nine cents a gallon uh, this weekend, four dollars and thirty nine cents—like, what a great thing that is! And and uh, so excited about that. And uh, never mind that it was a dollar a gallon cheaper last year. Um, it's funny that we're so excited to only be paying four dollars and forty cents a gallon um, because it got up to almost seven. Crazy twenty twenty two crazy year. Well, I hope whatever the case may be, that you and your family or your friends that you had a good weekend, or if you had the illness or other things, that it was a good weekend to recover from all of that. And I also know that that Thanksgiving can be hard uh, for many of us, particularly if we have recently lost a loved one or especially in the past year. My family is going through that this year with uh, my mother-in-law passing away last January so this is our first holiday season without her and uh, we're gonna talk about that a little bit more tomorrow I know some of you are going through that and all of us go through that at some point that is part of life but a you know a great part of this season that we're coming into with all the hubbub and what is today today's cyber Monday right so uh, you're supposed to be buying things online you know that they say is some big sale but probably it's exactly the same price as it was before you just haven't really looked so you can't tell Um, am I too cynical to believe that? No, I think that's, I think that's right. I think there might be better sales going on later in the week. What do I know? I told you earlier, I don't really shop. Uh, I shop sometimes. I like to like go to the mall for a walk, but I don't like to go in and out all the stores, right? I just hang out, probably, uh, eat some Chinese food and go home. Um, tomorrow we're going to talk about grief and, uh, I've got a special guest for you tomorrow. As we, we talk about that through the holidays, it'll be important for you and anybody, you know, we're all going to go through that at different times, but something else that we all have is we all have a savior and the Christmas season is for celebrating that savior. We call it Christmas because it's about the birth of Christ. And as much as we try to get away from it and as much as we have so many different cultural things involved, I personally believe that in God's plan, for letting making sure that Jesus Christ is still in our vernacular and that we still have to wrestle with who he is i think that one of the reasons that we rely economically on christmas so much and because there's even other christmas stories and santa claus and all of that and there's so much about the holiday and the food and the gathering and the time off and the money and the gifts all of the secular stuff i think that's here because God has rigged it so that it's so important, we can't get rid of it. It's so important economically to our country and to the world and the economics of the world. It's so important to the business you run if you're a retail company. It's so important to your business. If you're a manufacturer, it's so important to all these different companies, to airlines, you name it. It matters economically, Christmas time. And all of that is secular. But I think that is there so that we can't get rid of Christmas, so that as much as you try to not talk about it, you're still going to have to reconcile that Jesus Christ came into the world on that first Christmas, whenever that was, 2,000 years ago, and he is the Savior of the world. I hope that you get some comfort in that. I'll be back tomorrow. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back tomorrow. God bless you. Have a good night.